Hello and welcome to another episode of Act Takes, the story screen podcast where we see new movies, or at least movies that we haven't seen, and then we come to the microphone, give you the fresh, brand new, very high, oh, so hot, hot takes uh, ooh, for ooh, you. Don't ooh, touch it, ooh, don't touch ooh, it. Ooh, ooh, no, ooh, that's too high. You gotta let it simmer. You gotta let it simmer. The thing is, we don't let it simmer. We just tell you, what's, no. we just tell you the thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we just tell you what the thing is. You're hearing some voices. I'm going to introduce my guests in a second. I'm Robbie Anderson. This is a story screen podcast. This is not the only podcast on story screen. If you're interested, if you like this, subscribe. Do that, please. Also, you can go on our website and you can find articles and you can find reviews and you can find more podcasts. You can buy a fucking t-shirt. Um, we swear on this podcast. If you listen to every episode, you know that. If this is the first time, fuck you. Thank you for being here. Um... Yeah, name, my name's Robbie. I uh, I do the thing, and I'm joined by someone else who does the thing, uh, Bernadette Gorman-White. How are you? Hi there. I'm well. Happy to be here. Bernadette, we just saw this each other. This is a other. weird movie. This is a weird movie. <laughs> we just saw each other in person, so it's also funny that we've that we've moved from an in-person chat to a, a Zoom call. Yeah, it would have been really funny if we were recording some other kind of podcast pre-in-person chat and then post- in person chat, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We did see a weird movie. Um, it's uh, it's a movie. It's on HBO Max. The new, it's one of the it's one of the seven HBO applications that you can use to watch certain shows. Um, yes, it's not confusing at all. Uh, but yeah, we saw an American Pickle, directed by <laughs> Brandon Tross, uh, written by Simon Rich, and uh, yeah, we saw it's a it's a film uh, where Seth Rogen plays. His great great grandfather and himself, not Seth Rogen, but a, a modern a modern man played by Seth Rogen. Uh, mm-hmm. His great grandfather uh, in 1919, living out the American dream as an immigrant, uh, falls into a pickle brine in a pickle factory and is perfectly pickled for a hundred years, which is where our story kicks off. But Bernadette, this is the real story mm-hmm. is our hot take. What's your hot take? That's on, true on American pickle. <laughs> Um, I like all of the people that are in American Pickle very much. Yeah, I mean, Seth Rogen's um, there, and then there's Seth Rogen, mm-hmm. and then Seth Rogen's there. Yes. I mean, I really like Sarah Snook, who plays the great-great-grandmother, mm-hmm. uh, Herschel's wife, Sarah. I like her a lot. I've been catching her on Succession, which is another thing that you can watch on HBO Max, Ooh, which is great. Check that out. Um, I like all of the bit players too. Like all of the the very small character actors were great. Yeah, and there were like little treats sprinkled throughout the film. Yeah, there's some fun cameos for sure. Yeah, really fun cameos. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I think the movie was just a little too silly for me. It didn't really seem. I felt like the movie didn't really know what it was or what it wanted to be. Okay, I'm I'm with you there, but if you got keep keep going though. Yeah. Um I will say if you do have interest in watching this movie and you happen to also be a podcast listener, I would advise heavily against listening to the WTF podcast with Mark Marin. He did an episode with Seth Rogen recently where they talked about their Jewish heritage and they talked about American pickle a little bit. And it got me like even more hyped to watch the movie than what I already was prior. Cause I thought that the idea was really funny behind it. The idea of Seth Rogen playing his great, great grandfather and this modern 2020 version and them meeting and interacting together. I really liked the idea behind it. And then the conversation that Mark and Seth had about their Jewish heritage was so interesting and exciting to me that I thought the film was going to do more for me than what it did. I wonder how I would have interpreted the movie um, if I wouldn't have listened to that podcast. Mm -hmm. So I will flat out say I do not hate this movie, but I... Knowing what I know now, I wouldn't rewatch it. I would say that. I don't think there's much to gain from rewatching it. Yeah, I think no. you know my my hot take on the, on the flick is that you know it's cute. I think it's worth a watch. I think it's interesting. I think it's like um, 
there was a, a buddy of mine who he's he's Jewish, and uh, it was before I saw the movie, and I was talking to him about it, and he was like, and he really liked it because you know you you don't you see Jewish representation on screen, but he felt like this like movie was like the most like culturally Jewish movie he's seen for like maybe obvious reasons, but like he felt like comfortable with it. And he's, he's even mentioned before, like as a Jewish person, like he, he is uncomfortable uh, with like Holocaust movies or maybe, you know, a show like an Orthodox, like he, you know, he, he's, he, he doesn't like to watch those things because of, of the way it makes him feel. But this movie, he really enjoyed it and enjoyed how Jewish it was. So I do think that that aspect, like that cultural aspect of the movie is very cool. But in my opinion, uh, I think the movie's not silly enough. I think that it's a little bit, and I think that's the thing, like, it doesn't know what it wants to be, because it, it kind of, like, it'll get close to doing some real silly shit, some really, like, almost, like, surreal stuff, and then it'll kind of, like, try and ground itself again, or, you know, I kind of I wish it went in one direction or the other, like, you know, make this, like, serious, deep understanding of cultural differences or not even cultural differences but generational differences and the and the promises and the hardships our our you know ancestors went through to even get to this country or do that but do it through the guise of you know satire and surrealism or or supreme silliness because I would have been here for both I think this movie's a little bit trapped in the middle of those two things um and I don't and I think you know I think it's like first act or so I'm like really into it and then when they kind of start getting to what the the drama of the movie is I start kind of not being as interested in what the flick is um there's a lot of like easy tropey things they could have done with this fish out of water story that I'm glad they didn't do and there was some I kind of wish I got to see if I'm being honest you know uh there's a playbook on doing stuff like that and they could have hit some of those plays but they but you know I also kind of admire that they didn't so you know it's not again like uh, I'm a little disappointed with the flick because I do, I really like the premise and I also really kind of like the beginning of the flick a lot. I think I was like really sold on it. Um, my expectations weren't too high though because I, I've heard middling things about the movie. I heard I heard some mixed reviews so I kind of went into it knowing that. Um, I think I'm a little bit more on the positive end of things but um, yeah, I kind of just wish the, the flick did, did more given its subject matter because I think it has a lot of fun stuff in its like... Uh, it's toolbox, you know? Yeah, definitely. As a quick aside, I wonder, do you know if your friend that you were speaking of earlier, yeah. if they watched Transparent at all? No, I didn't ask them. Okay. Yeah. I'd be curious, because I, I feel like Transparent, while it is about sexuality and gender, mm-hmm. it's also heavily about being Jewish. That's true. I've, I've only seen the, uh, the first season of Transparent, and I really liked it. Yeah, I think they handle religion very well and in a very interesting way. And honestly, I think that was the first time that I watched Jewish characters in a television show Mm -hmm. or even in a film that weren't just tropes. Like they actually like went beyond just like skin deep of what it means to be Jewish. And so I think they do a very good job. Yeah, I think I think we can both agree that the, the way they handle that like cultural significance and make it significant in the movie is very interesting, and you know, we uh, neither of us are, are Jewish folks, so it's always interesting when you get to kind of peer into through the veil of like you know what this other culture kind of is like, and and maybe you know, and, and as much as it's about like Jewish her- heritage, it's you know, it's in the bigger picture of it, it's about like just how shitty life was for human beings like only a hundred years ago, like the the way yeah. that they they contrast and juxtapose. Um, you know what it was like emigrating to America and what it's like now, and you know I I don't I don't think the film's trying to posit too much that it's like we got a little bit we got it pretty good right now, but I do think it's like you know it's it's I think it's supposed to have a humbling humbling lesson to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I was just like a little let down that I knew it wasn't going to get like transparent deep sure. by any means, but I honestly went into the movie thinking that the being in a pickle brine and surviving for a hundred years, I thought that was going to be the one thing that was silly and zany and just like, oh, well, this is how he got here. But then let's see what else happens. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the movie instead decides to just be like weird the whole time for me was a real turnoff. Yeah. 
because I wanted to like take these characters seriously, but it made it very difficult to do so. But I can understand where you're coming from, too, where you're saying as soon as it was starting to get really silly and there's a moment that we'll talk about later on in spoilers. Mm. And I agree with you, like as soon as it was going in this one direction, I was like, oh, man, this is not the movie I was expecting at all. Yeah. And I was starting to get into it again. And then it pulled back, like you said, like it tried to ground itself a little bit after that. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. I thought yeah. it was going to go like all the way. I think I think you and me are like kind of on like the two ends of the spectrum. And the problem is the movie is a little too in the middle, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the issue. And like, I think it's okay for us to kind of want different things out of the movie because the movie kind of does almost give you both, you know, mm-hmm. or it's like trying to. Um, I, mm-hmm. I also, I had uh, higher expectations for its silliness and its surrealness because, um, uh, I'm I'm fairly familiar with Simon Rich's work, but he's the creator of Man Seeking Woman, and that's like one of oh. my favorite fucking shows. Okay, that yeah, I had no idea because I know yeah. it's based off of a novella, like a short story mm-hmm. that he wrote called Sell Out. Yeah, and I knew he wrote the screenplay, but I didn't know he was the Man Seeking Woman dude. Yeah, he also he's the writer of uh, Inside Out. Um, he's written for Saturday Night Live. He's written for The Simpsons. Like he's. You know, he, Homeboy is the real deal, you know, but Man yeah. Seeking Woman is, you know, that show's so good. And, it, and it's in the way that it, it it heightens mundanity and makes it kind of crazy. It makes it zany, you know, by using, um, uh, I, I guess, like the, the pitch of Man Seeking Woman is that it takes place in, in New York City. And uh, it's, you know, you follow a hopeless romantic, but in this world, uh, monsters, gremlins and what have you are also commingling with humans, almost like a Bojack Horseman, but a little bit more like a monster machine kind of. Yeah. Um, and it's great. And it's hilarious. I haven't seen every season. I, I've seen the first season a few times and I it's really just very, very well done. It has a great cast and a great attitude. And, uh, you know, I, I think I would have been really happy to see him kind of flex those same muscles in this movie because he, he does sometimes, you know, like a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Now that you say that, a lot of things are starting to click for me. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, like why didn't he take it that step further? You know, and it could have been like, you know, he didn't direct the movie. So like, you mm-hmm. know, maybe on the page things could have been more surreal than than what the director kind of like decided to ground. Maybe... They thought they would lose what the central drama was if, you know, I don't know. I'm not trying to backseat direct. I'm just, you know, my, my commentary on it is that I think they could have gotten zanier. I think it could have been a zanier flick, and I think that it would have been all the better for it. Like, you know, we watched something, uh, you, you and I did the episode on Palm Springs, and like, mm-hmm. Palm Springs is so buco bananas crazy, <laughs> and, it, and, it, yes. and it really works that way, you know, and, and, uh. And, you know, there are, you know, Groundhog's Day compared to, like, Russian Doll or, or Palm Springs or uh, Live, Die, Repeat is grounded compared to those movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's where my disappointment lies, is in that. You know, there when we get to specifics, I think we'll be able to talk about moments that, that do shine for us and that are really cool. Um, I think Seth Rogen does a really good job playing these two characters. They feel different. They do feel different. I, I know, too, and I think that this was the smart way to go. He filmed all of the Herschel scenes prior. Mm-hmm. So he literally lived as Herschel and got all of those Herschel scenes on on film. Yeah. And then shaved his beard and then played all of the Ben scenes, which I think really did help distinguish the two different mindsets that he wasn't bouncing back and forth playing right. both of these characters at the same time. Because mm-hmm. he... he knows as a bearded man, as I'm sure you know as well, he was it like, is. nothing looks worse than a fake beard you don't want to do a fake beard no no i that's i also like i kind of had that uh uh i i felt like that is what happened that he did all the rehearsal scenes first because i was like well that's a beastie beard you can't grow that no that quickly <laughs> you know um no <laughs> yeah I, I i really like that the two characters do feel distinctly different um you understand their motivations and they do have some fun later in the film which is like you know it's it's not your typical fish out of water story or you know I'm from the past and I'm you know Sam you know it's not it's Samurai Jack does it well this movie is a lot <laughs> like Samurai Jack the best TV show ever made uh, <laughs> but Herschel cannot go back back to the past Samurai Jack no he's stuck in the future yeah so like we're kind of talking about zany versus not zany mm-hmm. um, yeah I have like another weird thing that I'll say which will be a contradiction is that strangely enough i don't think the pacing is what 
makes this film fail for me. I think for what the film is, the pacing is good. Yeah. But what I think I would have wanted the film to do, and so I'm wrestling with if I let this film do its own thing and me coming to it on its own terms, I might not have been very good at that when I watched it. But to me, rarely will I say this about a comedy, but I wanted this movie to be longer and to really like live in it's pacing a little bit more. I think the decisions to jump from how Ben and Herschel feel about each other, the decisions to change those emotions so frequently work for the pacing of the film totally. Yeah. But I think I would have enjoyed spending more time understanding those character changes as the story went on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have liked to have seen a longer film, personally. But... That's really neither here nor there, I suppose, because this yeah. is the film we got. So it is the film we got. I, I I can kind of see where you're coming from. I think I agree with that. Uh, you know, I I agree that the pacing for what the flick is is pretty good. It's a it's mm-hmm. an hour twenty minute twenty minutes long. We love a short movie here at Story Screen. We do. We do unless typically. You're, yes. Unless your end game, don't <laughs> stop it. Ch- chapter two, <laughs> I'll make fun of till right. Chapter two is too long in my gravestone. You can use a real it's, estate. Uh, for it. It's too long. It it's. Pretty l- why? <laughs> also, a lot of those scenes are kind of meaningless. Yeah, it's a uh, yes that that needed a lot of like editing, and I mean like literal editing, but also just yeah, learn what needs to be in this movie while you're shooting mm-hmm. it. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I think that's the I think that's the tough thing with um Stephen King. You know, sidebar Stephen King talk. I think that's that's the the issue with a lot of Stephen King adaptations is that you know he has some rich moments you know he writes these odysseys of horror so you know people i think when they adapt them they kind of don't you know you always you have to make the the conceit of what you're gonna edit out when you're adapting any novel to screen you know and like how you're gonna utilize the medium but i think a lot of people don't cut enough but uh in this movie yeah pacing's pretty good i just think i was surprised what the conflict ended up being and i thought it was just like a moment that was going to happen and then it turned into being like what the conflict of the flick just was and i was very surprised by that i was just like oh so this is like you know quote unquote the movie like this is what the movie is about is this thing happening you know right yeah i agree i i really felt like the actual bulk of the film was just so strange to me it was like, this isn't the movie was, I signed yeah. up to watch, in a way. And it also, like, doesn't... I, I I think it kind of, like... I don't want to say goes against what it was, like, setting up in its, like, first, like, hour, 45 minutes. But it just... It's not as cohesive as, like, um, as a storytelling tool of saying a message. Like, there's there's an arc that happens. There, characters learn things. Like, that's all there. But in terms of, like, what, like the thematic message of the film is if it has one i'm not quite sure if i know what it is mm-hmm. uh i think it's spinning a little too many plates in that in that way um, i agree yeah it, it sets up like way too many different challenges and emotions that ben and herschel are trying to wrestle with i agree yeah. with you i think it's interesting if we were to say that this film has a first act i feel like the first act is like barely anything at all or if you want to say the film has a first act and a second act, which it should have three, but I feel like the second act is almost like lost and it goes immediately into the third act. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it has like three acts. I just think act two is, is the least interesting part of the yeah. movie, which is your longest part that you're in. Yeah. You know? It's a bit of a slog. Cause like, it's just weird because again, because like the the premise, like when you see the trailer for this movie, it's like I'm so fucking in on this, like a Seth Rogen vehicle where he plays two characters, where you know you're dealing with this like you know modernity versus versus old school, and you're you know it's it's all all that stuff is very cool, yeah, and um and again them setting it up is so fun, agreed, you know it's really it's, they really nailed the. You know the the inciting incident to you know not not to use too many screenwriting terms on our movie podcast, but like you know they they set up the the flick well, but uh, yeah they just kind of lose me once I realized like they, I was like oh the movie's kind of about this I was just like well, wh- so what is the flick saying about the American dream 
I think it's saying, you know, not not to get too into spoiler territory, I think it's saying that, like, you know, our our grandparents or great-grandparents, like, uh, kind of knew how to buckle down and just make things, just figure things out, you know, just kind of make it work. But I also think that even that moral, which I think is in the flick, kind of gets, like, lost at towards the end of it, you know. Because mm-hmm. then it comes about, like, understanding your heritage, but also, I don't know, like, you know, there's and there's something, like... Not all movies, I think, need to have a really concrete, like, the story's about this. But, uh, you know, I think it's it's good when you can leave a movie and be like, I think it was about this. Unless you're trying to be, like, you know, the favorite or, or like, you know, like a surreal movie where it's, like, you know, it's a little harder to uncover the the, the thematic goo <laughs> that's in the, in the engine, right. you know? Yeah, sadly, I feel like if I'm walking away from this film and if I'm saying I think it's about this, or this is what it says yeah. about the American dream, or this is what it says about not waiting for perfection and just doing the work and letting the work evolve as you're doing it instead of just holding on to your work forever. And what it's saying mm-hmm. about social media and what it's saying about all of these other things. I feel like I'm doing a lot of the work for me to think like, oh, the movie mm-hmm. actually said this about this. I think it's me right. bringing it <laughs> To the movie and being like, well, it could have been saying this. I don't feel like the movie itself is doing a lot of that legwork. I think the movie's first and foremost concerned with like... That's why I think the pacing's good. And I think like the... I I personally think the three acts are very identifiable. Because it's a very like... It's a very good like screen written movie. Um... But I don't think it does, like, sometimes you see a movie and, like, the structure's really good, but, like, just the meat on it's not, like, as interesting. I think that's kind of the problem with this book. Yeah. Where, you know, I do think, like, it's a very screen screenwriting movie where it's just, like, you know, you can you can set your timer and be like, that's inciting incident, that's act one, that's act two, make a break, that's the conflict, this is the denouement. Like, it, it all works there, but it's just, it's just not all that interesting. You sure, know? sure. Yeah, I think it might be the character beats that don't help further mm-hmm. the act structure. That I'm like, there's not I enough character think, differentiation yeah. here. I don't know. I didn't think it was a... No, I think you're right. I, I didn't think it was a movie so predicated on conflict. That might sound weird to say, but if, if you stick around for spoilers, I can elaborate on sure. it more. But like, I, I didn't think it was a movie... Uh, at least predicated... You, know, you need conflict in, in movies, right? But like, Unbelievable I didn't conflict. think the whole... F- unbelievable conflict. I didn't think the whole film was going to be predicated on this conflict specifically in the flick and i was very and i was like you know once you get into it you're like oh this is this is i guess what the movie's about yeah i guess like i don't know <laughs> it's not really it's like i think you said it earlier it's like it's not really the movie i signed up Mm-mm. for but you know and it's okay when you know when movies change what you signed up for that can be really cool yes. you just got you really got to be hiding the really good movie <laughs> in there you yes know? definitely um but yeah well, you know, we're 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 getting to the point where we're dancing around the specifics. So, uh, I think we're going to take a break. Come back. We're going to talk more about uh, an American pickle, specific moments that happen in the flick, some really fun cameos. I think when you, if you make it to that, you'll see that we do have a lot of things we probably do like about the movie, but it just overall is a little disappointing. And uh, I think we're also going to get into what we're watching and talk a little bit about All that. Right. So, thank you so much for listening to the spoiler-free section of this hot take. We'll be right back with the spoilers and we're back with spoilies for an american pickle so i think the yeah we're we're out of the brine now we Uh, are out of the brine (laughs) so i think the thing that we were dancing around in the non-spoilies section is you know this movie turns into a film that's about uh, modern Seth Rogen, Ben, uh, in in conflict, direct conflict with um, oh, what's his name again? Her- Herschel. Herschel. Mm-hmm. In direct conflict with Herschel. And, very quickly. Uh, it, very quickly, and um, I was just very surprised that it, it was it turned into this like you know, movie about these these two relate relatives who are fighting against each other. Then we have, I also think it's very strange that a man who lost everything in his life from being in a pickle brine the, decided to just make pickles again. <laughs> I thought that's an odd, <laughs> I think that's an odd choice. Uh, I feel like that 
didn't concern me. That sure. wasn't um, a thing that bothered me because I just I realized that as true funny. I think mm-hmm. the the counter argument for that is that we get his great great grandson Ben, who also has lost like his relatives due to yeah. a car accident. But Ben very much struck me as like a man who has literally no friends or like yeah, social group. And I think the fact that like him developing this app that he has been working on for five years and trying to sell, I found it very confusing that when Herschel gets out and Herschel's like, you should sell that app. Like you you need to get out there and sell the app. Mm-hmm. And even though Ben's like, it's not ready, it's not ready. And I know there's another incident, which we'll get into, where they need money. Um, yeah. And then it was like, all of a sudden, like, he was just like, yep, I'm going to do it. And then this creates this war between them, because obviously the app doesn't sell. He kind of, like, blacklists himself in the tech community. And right. he blames Herschel. And then all of this happens very early on in the film. And then all of a sudden, it's like, old versus new, Herschel versus Ben. And it's I like, think it's, it's it's a lot, and I, I and again, like I wasn't, you know, just not what I expected the movie to be. I also, you know, I don't want to say that I, I'd rather a movie where Herschel's just like, oh my god, you have this, that's crazy. Oh my god, this is like this, that's crazy. Oh my god, this is this way, that's crazy. Like that's not an interesting movie either. So no. yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to posit that it's like I really wish it was him just commenting commenting on modern stuff and being like, isn't this so crazy? Because <laughs> um, frankly, the times when they do do it, it gets stale fast. So it's like, all right, like, so it, I end up really liking that Herschel, like, kind of is it, it, kind of a go with the punches kind of dude. Um, in the Agreed. context of being a hundred years older or later, uh, I think that works very well. But yeah, I, I was very surprised that that that, that was the, the the story of the movie. the The main runway of the flick is this these two fighting, and I also kind of thought, found their fighting like a little lame because the best moments of the fight is when they are interacting with each other, or like when someone's like you know almost almost like prestige esque, where someone like sneaks into their other one's like thing that they're doing. You know, like those moments are really good, but like. The, the focus just happens on Herschel and then you don't even see Ben's character for like most of the movie because no. he I guess is in the shadows being sad and going to bars and trying to do a rebrand of his of his current app which I also am like just doesn't seem to make it just doesn't I don't want to say it like, doesn't make sense like, I, I think the problem is like it makes sense it's just not that interesting like exactly I think right. the idea of the app that Ben is creating, the Boopop app, that mm-hmm. um, will judge if a product is ethical or non-ethical so that you can make the decision of whether or not you want to buy it, that makes sense. That That's an app that makes sense to me. Does but it make sense in the context of the movie, though? Like, no. And also like the fact that they're making the technology and the social media aspect of the film such a heavy aspect to me it's like oh well in that world an app like boopop already exists like the fact that the the movie is so predicated and hinders so frequently on how moral or ethical a product is which herschel's product the the pickles that he brines in like these old jars that he finds in dumpsters he makes garbage pickles (laughs) garbage pickles (laughs) yeah he makes spicy garbage pickles (laughs) the fact that like so much of it is like well is this right or is mass producing things right it's just like this film like the boopop app already exists in this movie to me Mm -hmm. i'm like i find it very hard to believe that you've been working on this for five years and something else hasn't beaten you to the punch. That too. And I just think like the, the it, it loads the movie with an unnecessary amount of baggage. Yes. Like when, when you're presenting this, there's this application that judges a product based on its, you know, ethical aptitude. Um, and the movie is not really about that. You know, like all 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 moments in a film, or all like ancillary things in a film, should somehow be funneling towards what the plot is in some mm-hmm. way. This is such a I think distract because the movie is not about that. No, it's not about like you know like but I it mean maybe so much time on it. Yeah, yeah. and then and it's kind of like almost like a red herring. It's just like so is, are they talking about like 
his pickles are really ethically made, so that's why they're successful. I don't think that has anything to do with it, but that's all I got. Like, right. And I, and I don't think there's anything really going over my head. Mm-mm. You know, and like that, that app could have been anything. Anything. Because the, the only payoff you need is that the app you realize is the name of his dead parents, or is what he used to call his dead parents when he was a child. Right. That's, that's all you, that's the bookend right there. And that, <laughs> and that's a great moment. That's a super awesome, sweet moment in the film. The app itself, just, it could have been anything. And anything. it's so strange. And the thing is, like, they only make it, the only payoff with it being about ethics is that he kind of gets blacklisted from the tech community because he gets in, like, a fist fight that I guess also goes, like, viral. Which I guess maybe it would go viral or, like, make headlines because, like, you know, the the, the Brian man was there, you know? Yeah. So, and his name's associated with it, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Straight. I thought it was such a strange choice and kind of like, you know, just distracting from it. It doesn't do itself any favors Mm-mm. having that in there. No, it, it definitely doesn't. And yeah, the Boopop name recognition does pay off, but mm-hmm. it's like such a long and arduous journey to get to that payoff that yeah. by the time it happens, you're just like, oh, I've kind of moved past this. And like, it doesn't, and it also, or you know, that does happen at the very end of the movie. It's for a second, I thought it happened end. before Canada, but I don't think that's the case. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it happens afterwards. Um, yeah. But Once yeah, Herschel has already assumed Ben's life, the the role of Ben. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was um. Just thought, yeah, it's unnecessarily loading your movie with, with things that I think could be could have been better utilized. And yeah, right. and then again, like, you know, we have this conflict between Ben and Herschel, and then, and it's, it's really just a lot of Herschel doing stuff, which is mm-hmm. interesting, because his character's interesting, and then just, like, every once in a while, it's, like, Ben just being kind of fucking boring. Just on his computer. On his computer, and, like... That's it. Yeah. Except um, for when he shows up to that one debate, and it's like, oh, this is the first time you haven't been in front of a computer yeah. almost the entire and that's movie. The, and that's the best moment of their fight. Yes. That, because, that, again, like, that's awesome. Like I, I love I love that moment of the movie. I, I thought it was super funny, and I was just like, "Why can't we have more of like this happening?" Because like contextually, it should have made sense. Um, right? Yeah, because that's the moment in the film that I was referencing earlier, when all of a sudden I even said to Heath as I was watching, and I don't talk during movies very frequently, mm-hmm. but I was like, "Oh, like." we're getting like a full on Trump moment here. Are they really going to take this all the way and like make Herschel president? And then they didn't. And I was like, Oh man, I feel like I just got like blue balled because of that. Yeah. Like, a little bit. Right. Yeah. This was like, because at least that would have been interesting. Right. And it would have been really <laughs> <You> funny, <know>? Yeah, <laughs> but they That's just the dangle that... it in front of you. And then they're like, Nope, we're going another direction again. Yeah. And then again, and it's, it's, it's another, it's another moment that like is funny enough, but like, unnecessarily loads the movie with another you know really weighty thing that's just like it's kind of like another anchor on the mil- on the movie's like like flick but the, the anchor itself is very cool looking yes but like it's not doing the film any favors it's not keeping it afloat or doing anything no it's really just distracting and yeah, yeah making your film more confusing than what it has to be i think it's just yeah those moments just really kind of threw me for a loop because because yeah i was like this is funny but like and again like these are moments that are like insane but like when the movie's kind of grounded it's like it's like okay so like why is he going on this friendly debate thing also what the fuck does that even mean what the fuck does that even like what the fuck is that that's never happened in the real world (laughs) yeah but then it's like but then the argument is just like oh well like no one's ever been pickle brine for 100 years it's like Okay. Well, yeah. So then, do something crazier. <laughs> like you know, like it's, it's, it's stuck. It's, 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 it's like surrealism light. Mm-hmm. You know, or like diet surrealism at times, where it's like, okay, like, I guess you could do it this way. It, it's, it's, it's zany. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think you and I definitely are on the same page that because the beginning of the film is so funny, and it seems like it really understands how to handle itself at the beginning. Because, yeah. again, when he first gets out of the pickle brine, and you're like, oh, this is already hilarious. Yeah. And then they put him in that science conference, and the narration is, well, they explain it, 
and I'm not going to get into it, but everyone agrees that it's totally succinct and makes total sense. And that's that's and hilarious. that's so yeah. funny. It's hilarious. And then it's so enjoyable. Like, there's a lot of you know, and again, there's some moments that really work, like you know when he's starting to sell the or the way like the montage of him making the pickles. It's just yes. like this is disgusting, <laughs> and it's so funny. And then like him. Running into like you know the the hipsters who are like oh like, how do you make this blah 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 and like oh let's make a post about you like I'm there for all of that like yeah. that all like makes sense to it me. all tracks. It is funny yeah and it's just like you know it's it's just um, Ben being jealous but also apathetic mm-hmm. and I think you know I, I think making your millennial character like very much like an apathetic character who like maybe doesn't care about things or is unmotivated i think can only really go so far in a movie where you kind of need your characters to like do stuff sure because at least with herschel his actions all made sense yeah and the further he got away from being in the pickle brine the more comfortable he was saying things that he truly believed and all of mm-hmm. that made sense. Yeah, I buy that. And I also thought his character being so sad about Sarah and like really feeling like he owed Sarah something also made that character made sense. I think yeah. it, I think maybe the Ben character is is the problem. I think I think you're right. I was kind of coming to that conclusion as you were saying that too. I think that you know, all the her for the most part, the Herschel stuff is funny. Mm-hmm. It make it tracks. It makes sense given the context of everything. I like seeing him try and go on Twitter and just say ludicrous things. I think that is funny for the most part, mm-hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't go too mean with it. Like, doesn't make him like. I think that's also another issue. It's like you know he, gets, he starts getting hunted down by all of America when it's like the things he's saying is just like he's not that he's not that bad. <laughs> like, you know, he's saying some rude shit, but it's not like. He gets he gets deported yeah. over it. Like I don't know about all that, you know. Yeah, it seems like Herschel himself understands his context, and the way that Simon wrote Herschel in that context, he understands. But mm-hmm. then when Simon was writing the characters of like the general population, it was like, no, the context is wrong here. Like there yeah. wouldn't have been this type of reaction to this. And the thing is, like, and it's hard to talk about because, like, again, like, if if they were more zany with it, yes, it, it would have, I wouldn't have an issue, with, right? Like, you know, they're they're doing this, they're commenting on, again, it's it's such, it, you know, for a funny moment, it's like too loaded with too much shit. Where it's like, you know, they're they're commenting on like Trump, cancel culture, things like that, and it's just kind of like, is is the movie about this? Right. It's not right. So it's like I don't think so. I don't think it's about it at all. So I'm just like, so why are these the choices that you're making, you know? Yeah, or if it is about that, that's not what I wanted it to be. And also the bookends of the film don't seem like that's what they want it to be about either. I don't think so. I think it's about... Legacy and... Legacy and respecting your family and, and, uh, you know, I think it also wants to say a thing or two about just like how go getter the previous generations were because they had to be because like their survival like truly depended on it right um and those those things work for me and again like you can have the other stuff but like you have to make the movie crazier to kind of match it and i think that kind of goes into your comment earlier about like if the movie is a little bit longer maybe we wouldn't have to have this kind of like isolated conflict that actually was the movie maybe we could have more of a nuanced thing happening because like you know you can have the two characters like at odds with each other but it's too, it's too much of Herschel's movie and not enough Ben's movie. Right. And um, that's just kind of a butter. Bu- uh, butter. That's just kind of butter. And I can't <laughs> believe it's not. Um, it's just kind of a bummer because it's like, because uh, I think Ben is an interesting enough character. He just doesn't, doesn't really have much to do for the bulk of the movie. Right. Yeah. His, his character st- starts off like interesting enough. When he gets them out of uh, his, like, facility that Herschel's mm-hmm. been kept in. And he was like, yeah, he's going to stay with me for a few weeks, whatever. And he's, yeah. like, showing Herschel around. And he's excited to show off what the world has become. Which, again, leads me to believe that he doesn't have a large friend group. And I just, yeah. I guess I have a hard time understanding a character 
who's in the app world who doesn't understand how to talk to people. Like, it, you do get that one scene later on where he's hanging out in the bar, and it's kind of clear that, like, he and the bartender, at least, they have, like, a friendship or relationship. He's a regular there. She yeah. gives him a beer without him asking for what beer. Yeah. So they're kind of yeah. grounding him in, in that way. Um, but the fact that we don't get any of Ben's behind-the-scenes interactions with people just makes him seem like a very one-note character. Yeah. Whereas you have Herschel, on the other hand, like we've said, is just, like, off the charts. So... Everything everything about him is fucking interesting. Right. You know? Everything. Everything about him. Yeah, it's, um... I think it's also they're trying to bury the lead about his parents passing away. Because I do think I would have liked it more if Ben was more... Because ex- given, given this context, he's weird about family stuff, but he clearly respects and misses his parents. Mm-hmm. So he should, realistically, he should be really excited to find his, like, kind of last living relative, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think they're burying the the lead a little too hard, a little too deep, because they want the reveal that his parents died. And uh, I don't think that works as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think pretty early on when he does say, like, oh, well, who is this? And he was like, oh, these mm-hmm. are my parents. And he was like, oh what happened to them and i do think that bit where they murdered or or normal (laughs) normal i thought that was very funny there's there's good moments in this movie it's just you know when you when you hyped up on something and it kind of doesn't land it's like yeah now now i'm annoyed (laughs) yeah i would have loved um just like not having an app be like the crux of what caused the conflict because yeah. without the app and without, like, Ben being holed away in his apartment for five years working on this app, it would have allowed that character to really breathe and to make a lot more sense. If you made him – I think they kind of wanted to make it so he had money, so he had a nice apartment, so he had a lot of sure. things that were new. But if you made him uh, a, a barista who doesn't mm-hmm. make a lot of money, who hates his job, and has, like, I always want to do maybe, – maybe he's still an app developer or an aspiring app developer. I don't fucking know. Sure. But, and he has like seven roommates and stuff. I, I think you could have gotten the same message across and then you have a little bit more texture on it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a little too, you know, you're kind of like, well, did, where did you get your money? Did you get it from selling a previous app? Is it inheritance money? I, th- I think it's the impl- it's implied that it's inheritance money or right. or is at least the money that his parents uh, gave him as an investment. I don't really know. Um, yeah, it's... He's just not all that interesting, and that's just kind of the the bummer and why we're focusing on it. And the thing is, he he, he by the end of the movie, he's a little bit more interesting because you get a lot more moments of him in dire scenarios. So he's he's he has more to do. So it's a little bit more interesting to see him when they're mm-hmm. back in the homeland, or the home country. Those are his best moments. Yeah, you know, and and they and they're really cool. So yeah, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of really good cameos in this movie. Yeah, we can definitely talk about those. Those yeah. are fun. Uh, I think the one that I laughed the hardest at was, uh, that's Brendan Fraser in the book, right? As Mort. Oh, is it? I think it is. I think that's oh Brendan Fraser. Oh my gosh. See well, if you can, see if you can look it up, because I'm, I'm like almost positive that's Brendan Fraser. If that is, that is so funny and topical for well, yeah, other things was, going on in our lives. Because, yeah, uh, you know, I, I was wondering, like, oh, do they have him, like, on set for, like, fucking Doom Patrol or something? And they're like, hey, you're... <laughs> HBO Max show, come on over. Yeah, uh, I have no idea. I'm like, I'm almost pot. I didn't look anything up, but I'm convinced that's Brendan Fraser. Oh, that's, that's just so a picture funny. of Mort. <laughs> I love too that it stuck with you so much that you remembered the character's name who was mentioned just the one. I was, I was shocked. <laughs> I was just like, that has to be Brendan Fraser. I thought for sure you would have also saw that, so which is making me have second guesses about no, that's Brendan Fraser. Right now. over my head. <laughs> I I felt like it was almost like a face merge between Sarah Snook and Seth Rogen. I thought it was more maybe of like that, one of those that apps that just maybe like that's Brendan. Maybe that is just what Brendan Fraser is. I don't know. Because <laughs> to me, it looked like it had like Sarah Snook's eyes, but mm. it had like the width of Seth Rogen's face. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not finding anything concrete, but I'm totally willing to live in that fantasy. That's yeah, let's just, let's just let's just believe that's a fact. Okay. You can add us later, listeners, and tell us that we're wrong. If we're that's wrong totally or... fine. 
I'd be happy to receive your ats, even if they're telling me that I'm an idiot. Happy to take it. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to Google it right now. Because <laughs> I'm like, now I feel like I'm a crazy person for well, thinking that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into probably both you and my, like our favorite uh, cameo in the film. Oh, yeah. But, I, uh, there's one I also was just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's one that's perfect. But we, we did talk about earlier the first social media guy who decides to like make a post about Herschel and his pickles and mm-hmm. that's Elliot Glazer um it's Alana Glazer's brother oh really from Broad okay City. I didn't I had a feeling he was someone because he had kind of a lot of screen time given what the character was yeah it was was his friend or partner someone as well or no? I, I'm not familiar with the actor who played okay. uh, his name is Kevin in the film and his name is mm-hmm. Kalen Allen and I'm not familiar with that actor, but uh, gotcha. but yeah, Elliot Glazer plays Alana's brother on Broad City as well. So, oh, nice. So yeah, he was a fun, fun person to see for sure. Very early on in the film too, which was cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, clearly, I think you and I both have a favorite cameo. Well, there, before we get there, because we're gonna spend too much time on it, which is <laughs> what I want. But uh, uh, what's his name? Okay, yeah. Jorma Tacone is also, he's like the, he's the venture, is it Jorma? Jorma, Uh, yeah. The venture capitalist in the movie. I I like seeing him. I just watched Hot Rod again the other day. (laughs) That movie's so fucking dumb. It's so good. (laughs) It's weird because even with Hot Rod, even with all the Lonely Island stuff, when I see Jorma, I just think of his character on Girls. That's just what he is to me Is he in the first season of Girls? Um, I think he might have. Had his premiere later. episode in the first season, definitely oh, okay. second season. But he's—I don't remember re- him being in that show. I only saw the first season, though. Gotcha. Yeah, he's like a, a, a really gross artist that Marnie is like obsessed with, but he treats Marnie terribly. Ah, uh, but she yes. kind of like sticks with him <laughs> because he has all of these connections, and it makes her feel important. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a, it's a good role for him. He plays Smarmy very well, which is kind of like what he's doing in this movie too. I feel like that's like I mean, she is that the joke that she has a thing, or I mean, what's is that? Um, Lana Dunham's character is that her name? Oh, uh, Marnie is the Allison oh, Williams character. Gotcha. The one who so I was going like, to say like Adam Driver's like the same thing in that show because <laughs> he's like a swarmy kind of piece of shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, Marnie is the one who wants to become like an art curator. She's the one who like wants to work uh, in galleries. Okay. I got yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the best cameo in the movie mm-hmm. is our boy Tim Robinson. Oh yes, from uh, uh, I think you should leave fame, mm-hmm. and uh, that's my it's like one of my favorite moments in the movie too because it's so crazy mm-hmm. and silly because he's doing because both lawyers are acting in a way lawyers would never fucking act in real life, <laughs> and again it's just, and 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 I think that's. That's the peak and where I wanted the movie to be the entire time. Yes. If it could have been Absolutely like that, agree. like no no further, no no deeper you need to go, maybe like a little bit more heightening, but if they could have just maintained that the whole movie, because they hit it a few times, yes. and they're the best parts of the movie, so it's like if they could have just hit that the entire time, I'm in. That's the flick for me. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. The other lawyer in that scene, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts now that... Uh, quarantine's been happening i never used mm. to listen to podcasts before quarantine to be Cra- honest crazy <laughs> right now um but yeah i've been listening to a lot of uh like mono agapians podcasts uh, i listen to this podcast called drag her it has mono mm. and nicole Byer. but mono's roommate his real life roommate and uh co-podcaster they do this podcast called we love trash where they talk about like trashy things that they love nice the the comedian is Betsy Sodaro, and she played uh, okay. the other lawyer in I that scene. For a second, she was she really was like funny. on SNL or something, but maybe not. No, she's not on SNL, but she okay. definitely has done a lot of uh, voiceover work. Okay, and she was she has a lot of bit roles. She was on an episode of Parks and Recreation. Gotcha. Like she kind of just like crops up in weird places, but Betsy Sodaro is always a treat. And so to see her first, mm-hmm. and then see Tim Robinson second, what a treat! That scene is so, great. I was I was so happy when I saw uh, Tim Robinson. <laughs> I was just like, because I want another season of I Think You Should Leave. And I know we're getting it, but I want it so bad it hurts. Yeah. 
It hurts in my it hurts in my stomach. I want it so bad. <laughs> You're hungry for it. Oh, I'm more than hungry for it. <laughs> yeah, I want it so bad. So seeing him doing his his typical <laughs> song and dance, I thought was very good. Yeah, and again, like that matches the type of humor that we love from him, mm-hmm. but also just what we expected this movie. Because yeah, like when they hit that Trump sequence, we were like, oh, he's Herschel's going full Trump right now. They're doing it, yeah. And then that lawyer scene like the trial where Mm -hmm. herschel gets deported it was just like what well now the fake the fake herschel the the ben 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 gets deported right (laughs) oh my gosh so funny to me that too that like herschel shaves his beard so that he can pass as ben but no one questions the fact that the character that's supposed to be herschel doesn't have a beard all of that's very funny to me. That is funny and also like kind of a weird i don't want to say plot hole but just kind of i never i didn't actually think about it that way i was like Oh yeah, why does a fucking? Why I guess because they... he's tr- he's trying to use it to his defense to not be deported, right? So that's that's why I guess it's more relevant, I suppose. Yeah, it's yeah. just silly. It's very, it's very silly. It's very funny. Um, One of the the biggest, uh, it's not even a plot hole. It's just a continuity error. Is mm. when they are traveling to Canada together, and Ben falls and he scrapes his hand. You get a. Oh, does he not have the bandage at all anymore? <laughs> you get a shot uh... of his hand, and it is clean, but with cut. And then the second shot of the hand is the cut, but his hand's really dirty. And then Mm. the third shot of his hand, when Herschel's wrapping it up with the bandage, it's like very clean again. I gotcha. And I was just like, whew, that took me out. But that was just a very silly thing. That's like almost inconsequential. It's fine. I mean, that's, yeah, it happens. It does. Things like that. And it makes sense that it take you out because if you're paying attention, <laughs> yeah, paying attention. Well, they also they're they're making you look at it for a reason because it's this tender moment between the two of them. Right, right. Um, Speaking yeah. of Please. tender moments, I did like the callbacks to Sarah putting her her hand on Herschel's shoulder and saying like, "Oh, they're gonna make this American dream together." And yeah. then later on, we have the moment where Herschel puts his hand on Ben's shoulder and saying like we're gonna do it together and there's a like a lot of tender moments mm-hmm. uh through repetition of action that I really liked yeah. I thought I was kind of bummed with the um with them getting into the fight again on the Canadian border I thought that was kind of like um you know it, it what it sets up is good but at that point I was just like oh they're fighting again <laughs> like you know I liked what it set up, though, because they get to do, like, a, a switcheroo, which is always fun in these movies. And I thought that it was creatively handled for the most part, but... Yeah, I can agree yeah. with you. And Seth Rogen is Canadian, correct? Yeah, so that's also another yeah. joke there. <laughs> yeah, like, he's almost home. He, yeah, he's <laughs> fleeing back home. Um, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But again, yeah, that that lands more when you have that context. Yeah, I think for the most part people know that, but you you never know. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know. I think isn't like Jim Carrey Canadian? I didn't know that for Mad Long. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. Yeah. That that's like a fun you just assume, realization. You know? Well, yeah. I've uh recently been watching Canada's Drag Race, which is the first oh, yes. the first season of Canada's Drag Race. And yeah, it's interesting cuz I'll have like guest judges and sometimes guest hosts who will come on that show and the queens mm. will react as if they know who these people are but one of yeah. the person uh one of the people that i listened to who podcasts about it who is canadian she had said that canadians aren't even familiar with their own celebrities because they idolize american pop culture so much that mm-hmm. really like the canadians that you know who are canadian usually people think that they're american just like you yeah. said with jim carrey like you didn't know he was canadian Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like yeah, it makes it makes sense. Yeah, like Tom Green. A lot of people don't know that he's Canadian, right? But he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> well, do you have any other things to bring up about the flick, Bernadette? Um. Yeah. The last thing I just wanted to talk about is I grew up very religious. I'm not Jewish, but I'm Catholic, mm-hmm. and that was a big part of my life growing up. Um, because my mom still holds a lot of those traditions. Right. Um, I went to church every single Sunday. Sometimes I would go to a service on Wednesday as well. Um, I grew up with religion. 
Yeah. And so I really liked what they were kind of working at at the very beginning of the film, where Herschel's questioning Ben and saying, like, oh, well, you're not religious. Like, yeah. you, you haven't held true to your promises that you made as a child when you mm-hmm. had your bar mitzvah. And I think all of that's really interesting because when I was younger, I had a lot more friends who were also religious. Yeah. And I feel like the older you get, the harder it is to hold on to those religious tendencies because they are in constant conflict with the modern world mm-hmm. and the modern norms. And so I really liked the ending where Ben said, oh, I don't know the words to that prayer because he wants to like constantly push it away, mm-hmm. probably because it reminds him of his parents and his upbringing. Yeah. But then when he starts praying with all of those older men who needed him, as Jewish tradition calls for, they need a certain amount of men to hold that type of prayer. Mm-hmm. And then um, he starts participating and he does know the words and he does remember those traditions that he once had. And that really felt to me very healing for that character, Ben. Like Ben started to like finally come to terms with his parents passing through the recognition of his religion. And then in that final scene where Herschel and Ben go to visit Sarah's grave and Ben asks, would you like to pray? And Herschel says, is that okay? Do you want to pray? And Ben says, yes. Mm -hmm. I found all of that very moving. And that I mentioned earlier, I listened to that Mark Maron podcast with Seth Rogen and they talked about religion so much. I really had hoped that religion was more of a thread in this film. So it ended really strong for me, those last few scenes. Right. Um, So, yeah, that's why I thought the movie was too silly for my liking. But I agree with you where, yeah, it needed to pick a lane and stay there. Yeah, I think think you still could have had those conclusions, even if the film was, like, a bit sillier. Yeah. Um, You know, and and I think that's, like, totally, I mean, obviously, like, you know, that's his arc. And mm-hmm. and it's a good arc for him to have, you know. I, he may not become more, he may or may not become more like of a believer, but he kind of like understands religion culturally and what it means to his family, right? Um, and I think that's you know that's a lot of people with religion. Like it, for them, it's more you know tra- 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 tradition and religion are not always the same, but for some people, Correct. it's like one and the other, you know, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I think I mean yeah, I think that's the you know the, again the 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 bookends of the movie are are very appropriate for the flick for what it is, um, and are and in work I think, and I think it's I'm pretty sure it's the prayer that he says when he's there I think is the same name of the prayer that he that was that uh, Herschel asked him to say earlier mm-hmm. in the movie and he was like uh, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so yeah it's good it's a good arc for him I like I like those moments as well I thought they're very sweet. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I, I definitely, I'll speak from personal experience. I do think it's hard to be a modern person, and especially mm-hmm. someone under the age of 50, um, and also come to terms with religion, because religion can hold a lot of negative connotations, and yeah. um, it's definitely not perfect, and it doesn't work for everyone, because that's uh, a struggle that I have had, like, in my young adulthood late teens to young adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think all of that conversation is very interesting and I really like watching things like that. So I, w- I would recommend to listeners that a, if you've already seen an American pickle and if that religious aspect really resonated with you to go listen to that WTF podcast with Mark Marin, where he interviews Seth Rogen, you probably have like maybe like a week or two before that goes behind a paywall. So, well, there you go. Or you know, you can always pay Mark Marin too, if that's what you want to do. Good for that's you. His job. You could use the money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do Do you think that if you listen to that Marin episode after you watch this, that maybe you would have like, you know, you know, like sometimes we do a hot take and it's a movie you don't think you like, and you talk about it, and you're like, I actually did kind of like that movie, or vice versa. Do you think that if we did this podcast, or you watched with or without the podcast, if you watched an American Pickle, then watch that Marin episode after? Do you think that would have like bolster some some things up for you maybe been like oh that movie is actually doing a lot of cool things or you think it's kind of mute point at that 
Um, I think if I hadn't have listened to that episode, um, and then watched the movie, just going in even more blind. Yeah. Um, I think I would have been able to approach the movie on its sillier terms more readily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, sure. listening to the podcast, I would have been like, oh, this is like nice supplemental material. And now I get mm-hmm. to hear like what his serious thoughts are on religion. Yeah. And I guess I should have been more aware, too, that, like, Mark Maron was, like, poking the bear talking about religion. Because yeah. it wasn't Seth saying, like, this movie's about religion. <laughs> and mm-hmm. this is an interesting conversation that you and I can have, Mark. Uh, Mark very much was like, this is what resonated with me, so I'd like to talk about, about it more. Yeah. Exactly. So I guess I listened to that podcast and that interview and assumed that the movie would have more religious connotations but when i saw mm-hmm. that they quickly abandoned that i was like what where where are we like what's going on here yeah it's really uh there's only a few moments at the beginning of the flick where it's really concerned with that and then it's a huge part of the end of the movie <laughs> yes which, uh, i guess you know is, is appropriate enough it's definitely not the through line throughout the entire flick right but but it did they make they make good use of it at the end yeah and if anything like the fact that ben was starting to become more comfortable like even just being a human being yeah could can maybe make the excuse for him being so caught in his arrested development and him being so disinteresting maybe mm-hmm. like if we were to get a sequel to this we'd be like oh yeah ben like clearly was going through some trauma and that's why he was so boring like right. he was just in a shell but the movie doesn't tell you that he's in a shell. Like, that's something that you no. kind of, like, look back and, like, hmm, maybe he was. Yeah, I guess he was in a shell. No, that's true. Yeah. <sighs> cool. Uh, what else are you watching, Burn? Anything good? Um, We've been talking about HBO Max a lot. And mm. so I'm also watching Doom Patrol. I'm, like, halfway through the second season. I just started Doom Patrol, which you know. But uh, I'm digging. I, I dug that first episode. I had some, like, critiques. But I thought it was cool. Uh, you listeners may know that you and I are big Legion fans. Mm-hmm. This show kind of feels gives me Legion vibes. Not quite as good as Legion. Legion is perfect. Yes. But uh, yeah, I got some Legion vibes from this show, and uh, that's keeping me in right now. Yeah, I think the reason I was interested in watching Doom Patrol was that it was kind of sold to me as like Twin Peaks esque. And it okay. is, it's got some Twin Peaks vibes. And then, yeah, as you said, when I started watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of giving me Legion vibes, too. So, yeah, it also reminds me of like, um, of like a, a Del Toro, uh, Hellboy as well. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that. It's cool. It's a cool show. I'm excited to see where it goes. I think I'm going to, I'm going to end up really liking it. Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting because it's, uh, obviously very silly it's like Mm -hmm. a very crazy show but it's almost like an x-rated version of teen titans because teen titans if you were into that was also very very silly and slapstick not to be confused with the uh the new show titans yeah robin says fuck batman (laughs) or teen titans go that's a different thing that's a different thing too (laughs) i also like the og teen titans cartoon i hear teen titans go is fun but like that's not what I want. I heard it was like very like young. Like when it's you're watching kids, it, I you're think, like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm old now. <laughs> like, I remember hearing, I, I have heard the Teen Titans Go movie is really good. Really? Yeah. I remember hearing that for a minute. Um, hmm. Can't say I've seen it to tell you, but that's what I heard. Yeah. Uh, did you see the first episode of Love Lovecraft Country, Burn? I have not. I'm probably going to watch that tomorrow or maybe okay. tonight. Yeah. Very soon. Like, I'm excited to hear what you think. I um, I enjoyed it. I'm a little there. There are moments where I like might have felt a little confused, and there's some things I was like, okay, I'll see what you're doing. But I'm I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I uh, I think it's cool. I'm definitely gonna watch it every Sunday. <laughs> oh, um, for sure. But yeah, it's cool. I, and I think the more and the more I sit on it too, the more I like it. And it, and it kind of reminds me of like when I saw the first episode of Watchmen. I was like, this is pretty fucking cool. I don't have my full trust in this show yet. And then as you're watching, you're just like, all right, well, I guess um, this is my favorite thing I've ever seen. So (laughs) that's just about that. I have a feeling this show could could be doing, like when you see the whole picture of it by the end, you're like, ooh, ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I imagine 
going into it, for me personally, I'm going to be anticipating like very similar Watchmen vibes. Just the fact that they both yeah. have knowledge prior as a viewer going in that you kind of like understand kind of the world that they're going to build, but that they're yeah. recontextualizing it in such a fun, exciting way. It does feel like a, a reclaiming, which if you know anything about Lovecraft and his not so good mm -hmm. personal views, and mm -hmm. if you've seen the trailer for this show, you're like, well, this is not what he would have wanted, which is great. Yes. <laughs> which is exactly what I want. Yeah. Take that slap um, in the face, yeah, HP. Flipping your grave. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's what I've been watching. You got anything else, Burn? Um. I am rewatching Pen Fifteen in anticipation of the nice. September drop of season two of Pen Fifteen on Hulu. Very um, good. I'm always watching a million things. As I said earlier, I'm watching Canada's Drag Race. I'm still going through Shit's Creek. I'm in the beginning of season four of Shit's Creek and enjoying it very much. Nice. And then yeah, I've started to watch Hannibal. On Netflix, finally. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you are a listener of Cathode Raycast, what you have to look forward to in the future are probably an episode of Hannibal, an episode of Lovecraft Country Season 1, um, maybe Pen15 Season 2. So yeah, that's what you have to look forward to moving forward. Sounds like some good podcasting to me. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a good time. I know the Hannibal one yeah. is going to be a treat. I am, uh, Hannibal's my favorite show. Yeah. So I hope that it becomes one of yours. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm, I'm interested so far. I had a friend ask me, they were like, oh, like, usually it takes a couple episodes to, for me to decide if I want to keep watching. And yeah. I told her, I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm invested. Even if I'm like not feeling it at the beginning per se, like I'm going to watch all of it because yeah. I'm, I'm here for the journey. I think I think everyone when watching that first season for the first time, it takes a minute, and it's one. Of, it's like the first season of BoJack, where you're like retroactively watching mm -hmm. it, and now it's like, oh, this is really good. Now, where you may not have been totally sold initially, uh, but yeah, I hope that I hope that's your trajectory as well. But we will discuss that another time. Yes, we will. Um, Burn, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for on this having hot me. Hot take adventure, of course. Thank you, listeners, for listening. As you know, not the only podcast on Story Screen. StoryScreenBeacon.com is a host to many podcasts, articles, reviews, videos, uh, showtimes, merch. We kind of do it all in that little thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have a subscription-based Patreon-esque thing on there. It's a members-only club where you can get access to even more Story Screen content for only $5 a month if you so choose. Um and yeah, so we're we're doing things. We're on there. We're gonna be doing more things soon. We always doing more shit. We also, if you didn't know, and it'd be weird if you didn't, we have a drive. We have a drive-in. The theater cannot open right now because of the global pandemic. So we are in the woods showing movies like a bunch of hooligans. <laughs> so uh, so come come do that. Uh, tickets sell out fast. So if you are interested in going, scoop them. Yes, before they're all gone. Um, and again, thank you, Bernadette. Thank you, listeners. We'll see you next time. Stay hot. Bye. Bye.